We had 75 in Sunday school today um, and uh, got a little bump from our breakfast. And we appreciate, if you uh, enjoyed your breakfast this morning, would you give the ladies a hand? Let's give them a hand. All right. Amen. Uh, that was great. I, uh, I enjoyed myself immensely. Uh, so let's, uh, let's turn to uh, Revelation chapter 15. I like superhero movies. I don't know what that says about me, but I like superhero movies. I like uh, Spider-Man, and I like Superman, and, and uh, you know, it's something about someone who stands up for right, who overcomes evil, and who upholds justice. Whether it's make-believe or not, I like it. And I think each and every one of us, in our heart of hearts, has a desire to see justice done in this world. There is a desire to see what's right when and what's evil be put down. And there will be a day when that will take place. And that's the day when Jesus returns. Uh, it happens now in a limited sense, but one day when Jesus comes, there will be full and complete justice. And things will be like they have never been in history since the Garden of Eden. I believe that each and every one of us who name the name of Jesus needs to worship him for that fact. We serve an awesome God who has an awesome plan and who is able to meet the deepest needs, not only of our own hearts, but of this world. And so we're going to look at Revelation chapter 15 and verse 1. Then I saw a great and awe-inspiring sign in heaven, seven angels with the seven last plagues, for with them God's wrath will be completed. And I also saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had won the victory from the beast, his image, and the number of his name were standing on the sea of glass with harps from God. They sang the song of God's servant Moses and the song of the Lamb. Great and awe-inspiring are your works, Lord God Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name? Because you alone are holy. And because all the nations will come and worship before you. Because your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked in the heavenly sanctuary. The tabernacle of testimony was opened. Out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues, dressed in clean, bright linen, with gold sashes wrapped around their chests. One of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven gold bowls, filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. Then the sanctuary was filled with smoke from God's glory, and from his power, and no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. I want to talk to you this morning about reasons for worship. Reasons for worship. Here in this scripture, 
the preparation time for the seven last plagues of the book of Revelation, the seven last plagues of God's plan of wrath are being taken are, are taking place. You have the angels coming forth with the seven bowls of God's wrath. And it was a symbol of the fact that when a society sinned against God, a cup would begin to fill up. And you see in the Old Testament prophets over and over again, the cup would begin to fill up. And when it got to a certain point, it would begin to spill over and spill out, and it would be poured out upon that society. Every society has a time period where God allows time for them to repent. But when they reach God's deadline, the wrath of God is poured out. And we've seen that through societies throughout history. But at this time in history, the world itself will have reached the point where God's wrath must be poured out. And he says, with these plagues... The, the wrath of God will be completed upon the earth. With these plagues, it will find its fulfillment and it will be done as far as this judgment upon the earth. Now, you see the sea of glass twice in the book of Revelation, but here there's something different. Here you see the fire in the, in the sea of glass. You see a fiery look to it. It's because it is reflecting the wrath of God, the fire, which is a symbol of His wrath against sin. And you see, as the angels begin to bring out these bowls, you see the temple filled up with smoke. And, and no one can enter the, the heavenly temple uh, because God is carrying out His wrath. And, and no one is able to come near his presence, so great it is. You say, well, this doesn't sound like a very uh, good reason to worship, preacher. I don't, I'm not sure I'm too comfortable with the idea of God's wrath. Uh, well, there is good news. Though it is true that God hates sin, and though it is true that God judges sin, that he's just and that he's holy, it is also true that God has made a way of escape. Through his son Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ hung on a cross after living a perfect life, hung on the cross, and took your penalty and my penalty upon himself and paid the price in full and satisfied the justice of God and bore the wrath of God upon himself. And he said, It is finished. Jesus paid everything that needed to be paid for you. God's justice and God's wrath were satisfied at the cross on your behalf, but you must respond to what Jesus has done for you by making a choice to turn from your sin and receive the free gift of salvation that Jesus purchased for you at Calvary. And you must take that and receive that from God so that you can have that home in heaven, that forgiveness, and be rescued from the justice and wrath of God. Now, we worship him for his redemption, but we also worship him for his justice. Can I tell you, some murderers get away with it here on earth. Some uh, 
different crimes of all kinds around the earth. There are some who get away with it. Now, most of the time they're caught. But there are some who get away with it. What do you do with a person who is a wicked, evil person who persecutes other people, such as uh, the Nazis did, and, uh, and, and who has fled into hiding and has not borne a punishment for it? What do you do? I think the earth cries out for justice. It says, when will justice come? When will what is right be done? This is, this is what this chapter is about. God will bring justice. And he will do what is perfect. And he will do what is right. And he will do what is good. And here in the middle of this chapter are some descriptions of God's character. And I believe there are reasons why we should worship him. First of all, we should worship God because he is holy. Look at verse 4. Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name? Because you alone are holy. What does the word holy mean? It means set apart or distinct. God is set apart from us. Some of you may feel like you're set apart from other people in intelligence. Say, so, boy, I, that guy's as dumb as a rock. I, you know, I think I can, can safely say that I am set apart in intelligence from him. I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm just saying, you know, this is a way of comparing. You, God, when you compare our intelligence with God, it's like taking the intelligence of a little baby who hasn't yet learned to talk with a Ph.D. in, in physics. It, it, there's just no comparison. There's no comparison between our intelligence and God's intelligence. He has all wisdom, all understanding. He is able to speak and the universe comes into existence. He is able to design you, as we've been talking about, design you, put you together in your mother's womb for his purpose. He has perfect wisdom. He is perfect in understanding. So he is set apart in his wisdom, and I'm glad, because half the time I don't know what's going on in this world. Have you ever felt that way? You know, you... You know, whether it's in politics or whether it's in uh, uh, the community or whatever. Uh, I remember in the military, we would scratch our hands quite often, uh, scratch our heads and say, you know, what's going on here? Because uh, I remember I was picking grass out of the wood chips. And uh, then the next day, the civilian contractor came to do the same job that we just did the day before. And I said, this doesn't make sense. And, and a lot of times, life doesn't make sense. But I'm going to tell you something. God knows what's going on. And we can take comfort and put our trust in Him because He is holy. He is set apart from us. But not only is He set apart in wisdom, He is set apart in power. There are a whole lot of things in this world that are too hard for you to handle and too hard for me to handle. But they're not too hard for Him to handle. God is in control in our national life, and in the governments of this world. He is able to change a situation by his power. I was uh, reading about Belshazzar. You want to hear a little bit about Belshazzar? Come tonight. Uh, just a plug here. But uh, <clears throat> God changed the situation in one night. 
and the government changed hands. And it wasn't because of an election. It wasn't because of, of something that somebody tried to do. God intervened and Babylon fell. God is able to change situations. He is set apart from us in power. He, he is set apart from us in goodness. Aren't you glad? I'll tell you what. <clears throat> Somebody said, the closer you get to the light, the more dirt you see. And uh, it seems like as I walk with God and, and I see more in His Word, I recognize my own failures, my own uh, unworthiness. But you know what? God is perfectly worthy. He is perfectly good. And there's never a time where he does the wrong thing or thinks the wrong thing or says the wrong thing or makes a mistake. He is perfect in goodness. He is set apart. So God is holy. Now you could go down the whole list of of God's attributes and talk about he, He's set apart from us in love. That's a good one. I think I'll talk about that a little bit. He's set apart in love. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's love. I that's a love that I can't understand. God is set apart from me in love. He is set apart from me in grace. I give people chances. You know what I'm saying? I try to be gracious. But sometimes I'm not always that way. And, and I have to repent of that. And, but God is set apart from us in grace. Did you know that there is nothing that can keep a repentant sinner from the grace of God. You and I, I love that verse, in this grace in which we now stand. I stand in His grace because of Calvary. He is set apart in grace. You and I measure out grace. God gives grace abounding. He is set apart. I tell you what, I could get excited going down this road. There's some good stuff. God is set apart. He is holy. And there's no one like him. They say that Solomon, when the queen of Sheba came to visit him, and uh, she said, you know, I'd heard about you, but what I heard uh, wasn't the half. How blessed your people are to sit and hear your wisdom and so forth and so on. And uh, I think it will be that way when we get to heaven. We, we've read about the Lord, but then we'll see him. We see through a glass darkly now, but then we'll see face to face. What will it be like to stand in his presence? Holy, holy, holy is he. So we ought to worship him because he is holy. We ought to worship him because all nations will come. My translation says come and worship before you. It could also be translated bow. And I kind of like that translation because there has been a battle going on. The book of Revelation describes the battle between the forces of darkness, between Satan, uh, the beast, and the false prophet, and his, the, the men that he will use 
to further his purpose, and then God and his Messiah and his prophets and witnesses and so forth. And there's this battle that has waged, and the Antichrist will not be able to get everybody to bow to him. The Bible says that many will be put to death. Many who name the name of Christ will be put to death because they refuse to bow to him. But every knee will bow to Jesus. There won't be any exceptions. Every knee will bow. I used to like to play a game when I was uh, in elementary school called Mercy. Some of you guys know what, that, what that's about. And, you know, you, it's not probably a merciful game. But, but you basically, you try to get the other guy to get in enough pain to sell, say mercy. And it was kind of fun. You know, I just kind of enjoyed it. Um, but this is, this is a great picture of when Jesus comes back, Satan will have to say mercy. He won't be able to stand against the power of Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow. Hell will bow. Satan, the beast, and the false prophet ultimately will be thrown into the lake of fire. We ought to worship Jesus because he's sovereign. He is in charge. No one on this planet can thwart the purpose of God. There's a story in the book of Acts about how the apostles were, some of them were put to death. And Herod is standing and proclaiming that he himself is a God and God strikes him dead. The powers of this world cannot stand before God's power. He is perfect in power and sovereignty. We ought to worship him because every knee will bow. And then we ought to worship him because his righteous acts or his just acts have been revealed. Sometimes when I watch the news, I get angry. I see what's happened to some little child or uh, some unspeakable thing that, is, that has happened to a group of people uh, with shooting or whatever. And, and something within me stirs. And I get angry. My heart cries out for justice. When will justice come? We recently had a, a trial uh, in Knoxville where uh, a judge was taking drugs and uh, they're having to retry the case and the family's having to re-go through uh, the, the process and, and so forth. And, and, and there's a delay in the justice that comes to the perpetrators of that crime. That won't happen in Jesus' court. Justice will take place. And it will be perfect justice because he knows everything, first of all. There won't be uh, uh, any kind of kangaroo court happening because he's just, but also there won't be any pulling the wool over Jesus' eyes because he knows exactly what's happened. He knows the heart. He searches the hearts. He knows every word that we speak. He sees everything. Justice will be perfect because he knows completely what needs to be done. And he is perfectly good. 
So he will do what is just, he will do what is fair, and he will do what is according to his standard. Now, this is important. You and I cry out for justice, but it's usually justice on somebody else, not upon ourselves. Amen? I don't want justice, you know. Somebody said, well, God, I don't deserve this. I don't, I don't pray for what I deserve because I know what the Bible says about what I deserve. And so I, I pray for mercy, not justice for myself. But you know, God has a higher standard of justice than I do. My heart cries out for justice, but can you imagine how God must feel when he sees the standards of his righteousness broken in hundreds of millions of ways every day? How must God feel who created a perfect garden, a perfect creation, set a man and a woman in the garden and said, don't eat of the fruit of this specific tree. It's the only commandment he has. Don't eat of this, tr- of this tree. Everything else you can take part of. Enjoy the riches of the creation that I've made for you. Have a great time. God creates this for them. And what do they do? They do the one thing God told them not to do. <laughs> and the earth is cursed. And humanity increases in wickedness and is so wicked, so wicked that by the time of Noah's day, the Bible says the thoughts and imaginations of man's heart was only evil all the time. And it grieved the heart of God. And God destroyed the earth with a flood. But there has been time after time after time throughout history where the heart of God has been grieved. But one day, God's justice will come. And the fruit of that justice will be a new place where we can live in which no unrighteousness dwells. We'll be given a glorified body, otherwise we'd mess it up. But we'll be given a glorified body. Our sin nature will be removed. And we'll be able to live in this place as God intended for us to live. What an amazing thought. To live in a place with no sickness, no death, no crying, no pain. Uh, to live in a place where there's no bad news and, and no crimes taking place and no murder. and no All of these things are gone because Jesus has carried out his judgment. And now a time of peace and a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem has come. And we're able to enjoy the fruits of of what God has for us. Won't that be a glorious time? Listen, we ought to worship God for his justice because God's righteous acts, his just acts will be revealed. If you're discouraged, if you're frustrated by the injustices that you see, maybe you're having justice at work, somebody else is getting preferential treatment, take heart, there's a day of justice coming. You will receive justice from Jesus. Uh, Maybe you've got injustice in your family and you're treated differently than other members of your family. Take heart. There's a day of justice coming. Maybe maybe you have a, a difficulty in your church and you're not treated the way you want to be treated in your church. Hopefully not, but take heart. There's a day of justice coming for you. And here's the beauty of it. 
Those of us who trusted in Christ, the Bible says we've been justified. The righteousness of Jesus Christ has been granted to us as a gift. So here's what justice is for me. Not because I deserve it, but because Christ deserves it in my behalf. I get all the blessings and riches that Christ deserves because I'm his child. Because I'm clothed with his righteousness. I'm excited about the justice of God. Worship him because he is just. Just and true are your ways, O Lord. Who will not fear you and bring glory to your name? Let's worship him. Worship him because he is holy. Worship him because all nations will bow before him and worship him because his just and righteous acts will be revealed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the incredible Savior that we have. We thank you, God, for the incredible, awesome God that you are. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here, for your majesty and greatness. And we ask, Lord, that we would live a life of worship as your people. And that we would worship you, Lord, uh, through our actions and through, through our, our attitudes and through our songs and, and so many other things, Father, uh, that we would worship you. And Father, I pray for those that don't know Christ. I pray that they would do a great act of worship this morning in surrendering their heart and life to Jesus Christ and receiving the free gift of salvation. May you have your way in this time. It's in Jesus' name.